You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the Amazon.com or Fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over to Rossi. It's loose, and Bergeron scores! Patrice Bergeron! Hello, Bruins fans, and uh, after a while away, we are back for episode 58. Um, Court, welcome back, uh, my faithful co-host. Not a problem. How's it going? We're it's going well. We're, we're missing our uh, fellow compadre. He happens to be uh, on a nice vacation, well-earned. Yeah, yeah. He's visiting Poland with his lady friend, and um, definitely uh, about time that he gets some time off. Uh, the guy works so hard and uh, also puts in a great deal of time uh, f- uh, for show um, notes and getting ready for what we do when we're on constantly. So uh, we wish Rob the best. But with Rob's absence, I, I wanted to take advantage of um, asking somebody else to come in and, and, and a returning um, uh, special guest, uh, Brandon Shea Cohen. He writes for the uh, Hockey Writers. Uh, he does the Chicago Blackhawks and the Boston Bruins. Uh, welcome back, Brandon. I'm wicked pumped to have you back. Yeah, and I'm happy to be here, happy to uh, you know, fill in if, uh, if Rob can't be here. And even if he could, I would have been here. Just can't uh, can't get away from you guys for too long. <laughs> Excellent, we appreciate that. And um, I wanted also to bring in uh, a new writer at the Black and Gold Hockey Blog dot com, uh, Mr. Mike Craddy. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Uh, excited to be here. Uh, did radio, some radio at school, and you know I'm missing it, so I thought I'd try to come on and you know talk some hockey. You know. Uh, Dude, for the first time, I'm excited to be here. It's going to be fun. Excellent. Um, I really appreciate your time, and uh, and having somebody in radio is pretty cool on the show, so we don't get that too often. So, uh, and, and again, thank you again for coming on. You're a valued member of, of the, our writing team at the website, and, and I love reading your stuff. So, Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Appreciate that. So um, we got a couple – topics to go over uh today i mean it's, it's the off season there's really not much going on but um there there is enough to put a show together and get four of us uh going so um i just want to jump in and um you know just kind of talk about the elephant in the room and that's uh the david Pasternak contract negotiations um there's a lot of people that are that are freaking out about him not being signed yet but me i'm more relaxed uh, he's RFA. 
Um, there's, there's some negotiating time. I know it's not a lot of time, but, um, you know, a lot of people say the more you wait, the more they compare contracts to other players um, uh, in, the, in the league. So uh, do you guys get the feeling that by, the t- by waiting and, and everybody else getting signed that the, the, the dollar value in term go up? Uh, yes and yes and no, because um, you, you have the one contract. If, you, if there's any contract they're waiting for, it's the dry saddle contract. But at the same time, um, I don't think it's the Bruins. Uh, I think they're very close to a contract, and in my opinion, they're probably just looking at the signing bonus. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I think I'm really not too worried, also because of the fact, obviously, like Mark said, he's an RFA. You don't have to worry about an offer sheet. It's not like they have like it's not like they're running out of time to sign him either. I think it's gonna be fine to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like Court said, I think it's uh, it's signing bonus specifically. Uh, I think we all know that another lockup could be on the horizon just because of the way uh, the league negotiations have been going in terms of the Olympics. Just general, uh, you know, disarray with the uh, the communication there. And I think uh, no, there's no reason to worry about it. Um, both sides have pretty much expressed that they're happy. They want to be with each other, and uh, just the specifics—it's small things that don't make it as easy as people like to believe it is. Yeah, if you look at some of the examples, like uh, I still think that Washington overpaid for Knudsen, but if you look at his contract, five million dollars a year of it is signing bonus to because of the the looming lockout. And then you look at Connor McDavid's; his contract is like eighty percent signing bonus. The contracts that are being signed, besides somehow Steve Eiserman pulling it off again with his Palat deal, where <laughs> none of it is signing bonus. I don't know. Maybe Eiserman is the smartest GM ever um, because his contract signings, he just steals players. Yeah, like, that's... he signs the best deals. My example for uh, signing bonuses would be like Ryan O'Reilly, who signed uh, it was $52.5 million and 45.5 of that is a uh, is signing bonus. Wow. I saw yeah. um, when Patrick Marlowe signed, I think. I don't know if I read this right or if I read it fast. He's making like eight and a half million in his first year with the Maple Leafs. Yeah, because uh, his is a three-year deal, and I believe it's all front-loaded. Yeah. 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 It's eight, uh, eight and a half, six, then four point two five. And we, I hear about it on a regular basis on the radio here, <laughs> and everybody here in Toronto's all thinking it's rainbows and lollipops the best deal, but that third year, that contract's gonna suck. Well it's just a, it, if you look at just look at who's gonna be on who's gonna be a free agent in that third year. Exactly. On that team. I, I just I just you gotta say Marner and Matthews, like wow. Neil Are they gonna trade like a big name guy? Because like they can't afford to keep all those core guys outside of the young guys like uh JVR, Bozak and Kadri. Like you gotta wonder if they trade one of of them down the road. I think all three are next year. <laughs> Nylander's uh, RFA in 2018. So, like, the Leafs, this this great team that's in our conference, that uh, they're going to have to make some serious cap choices real soon. Yeah. yeah. Well, sure. all right. So that, that was a good talk about Pasternak. Uh, I, I believe... What do, we all think, what do we all think Pasternak's contract's going to be in term and, and number? Probably six by six. Six by six? Roughly that. Could be a little more, could be a little less. I think the years are definitely going to be six years. Obviously, yeah. as, a, as fans of the Bruins, we'd prefer eight years. I think no one would argue that. Getting a guy locked up till he's, what, 28, 29, uh, it's better than 26, 27, but it is what it is. To play devil's advocate on Pasternak, the only thing that scares me is he's only really had the one year. 
Yeah. And you, there's many of people that have done this. And, oh, like maybe the six over eight is better. I'm yeah. just playing devil advocate just for right. the fact that if you look at his stats, like a guy like, you know, Radulov, who just got the stupidest contract Dallas has ever signed. But, you know, Dallas is really good at giving really big contracts for nobodies. <laughs> um, it's just it scares me. Like Duran's contract is perfect. Can I counter your point about Fastback? Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, 18 years old, 10 goals. It's not bad for uh, – and also he's undersized, don't forget. Oh, yeah. Uh, second year, didn't really progress in terms of points. Also missed some time with uh, injury and then obviously went away for a bit. But still 15 goals was an improvement. This year was the first year we actually saw, I saw him play a full season. We saw him really fit into his uh, his size. He's six foot, but he was never uh, the proper weight to fit out the uh, the body that he has. Um, but you always saw that he kind of had the inherent two-way ability. You always saw that he knew what he was doing, even if he made mistakes, like you know young players will do. And uh, I think now that he finally has the size, his possession went up. And then because of that, you saw his goals and his points go up. Oh, thing, I, sorry. Yeah, so one thing I didn't like, and this is going to sound weird coming from, you know, a Bruins podcast. I didn't like a lot of the edge that he played with last year. I thought he had somewhat of a bad attitude which obviously worked for him point-wise, but I think we can't have a player like that losing his cool sometimes or making uh, a stupid player taking a rash penalty just because. I, I, I 100% agree with you. Near the end of the season, I was noticing that he had, uh, as, as much as Crosby's the best player, he had a little bit of Crosby in him that if someone touched him, he was like, oh, why, why are you touching me? You're not allowed touching me anymore. Yeah, but, I know uh, a star. Yeah, but one thing I do love about his stats compared to the rest of the guys we talked about, like Knudsen and 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 Palat and uh, and the examples we were using, is he's got he got the thirty four goals and thirty six assists. It's it's he's, he's both sides of the of the uh, the ice. He's doing it. He's not just scoring goals. So everybody calls him a goal scorer, and I'm like, he can pass just as good as he can shoot. And he's as good a two way player as it gets on the team in the league. I mean, if oh, you yeah. look at even just like the Corsi numbers last year which obviously just shows a small slice of the pie, but it's just the most uh, readily available one to talk about uh, for this context. Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak. Those are the top three players in uh, terms of Corsi 4 percentage. And that's not a, a coincidence. It's, I mean, they play together, they played away from each other, but they always just look so good at all times. This is why, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead of anything, and I know Mark's going to disagree. It's also why I really want Yarmer Yager on the Bruins. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a different story. Oh, we're gonna well, get, we'll get to that later. His goals. Everybody talks about his goals. My favorite shift of Pasternak last year is when he blocked that shot real low and got that puck over to Krug for the game winner. He blocked a shot, kept the puck in. It was just he he sacrificed his body for the puck, and that to me right away was like sign him up for life. He's a Bruin. Yeah, he's not just a skilled player. He's willing to play the game. Yeah, I think I think with him, uh, I think JFK has got to uh, follow a lot of. Pasternak suit. I think some AHL time is going to be good for him. Obviously, a lot of people, including myself at first, overreacted a bit to the Washington game where JFK just kind of looked out of place, to put it bluntly. Uh, I think he's going to follow like, the same suit as Pasternak. I don't know if Bruins fans should be so high on him. I'm not diminishing JFK at all by any means. But I think some AHL time is going to be good for him. And I think Sean Corrali might honestly start out there next year as well with obviously Matt Bolesky's contract being hard to move and Tim Schaller coming back. But I think those are two guys that will be really good to have like first call-ups. And I think once JFK bulks up a little more, like obviously Pasternak went down to Providence and eventually coming into the season, you saw he was so much more physically mature. I think that's going to be really good. 
And, like, I agree with everything you guys said. I think Pasternak, I don't know if I dislike the nastiness a little bit in his game as much as Brandon does, but I think he's come along, and I'm hoping, like, a lot of the young guys kind of take the same route and Don Sweeney and all all them. I mean, um, not Don Sweeney, uh, Cassidy and everybody, like, use them the right way, not rush anybody into it, because they certainly didn't with Pasternak, and now look at him. Mike, also, uh, go ahead. Uh, sorry, Mike, what do you, uh, money and term, what are you thinking? I'm I'm agreeing with you guys mostly for the most part. I think he'll get around six, like six and a half. Like I could see a six-year, thirty-nine million dollar contract in the works, like six and a half average annual value. Yeah, you guys out, out in the Boston area, there's rumors. I'm seeing him on Twitter, but I don't know what you're hearing on the radio there. That he he's coming back to Boston yeah. right now. He should be in Boston soon. I honestly think it's just to come back and train because this is the time when players have done their vacations and they're hitting it hard, or they've already yeah. started last week. What is your guys' thoughts? What are you hearing out there? Well, I, I just want to touch something on the Pasternak real quick. Um, I believe 6.6. We're all in agreement with that. The one thing that I'm deathly afraid of, and, and more or less it's just me being very insecure about no trade movements uh, and no movement clauses, I, I wouldn't be heartbroken with his first three years no movement but anytime after that uh it's got to be i don't know in my opinion it's just i I don't want to see it happen because you always get excited about players that are coming into the league and especially at his age but if he doesn't produce and he just you know his career goes down the tubes you don't want to be stuck with a player like that I'm not a big fan of no movements, but it is a salary cap world, and what can you do? But um, to, to to go on to uh, Court's question, I we don't. In my opinion, I really don't hear much in radio around here. It's Patriots and and Red Sox. We're not like Toronto, where it's it's hockey twenty four three sixty five. And with the Celtics, obviously, they've got all the young, exciting players now. Obviously. With Jason Tatum, they drafted him instead of Markel Fultz, made that big trade. The Celtics have been stealing a lot of the spotlight over the summer. But, uh, Which Hardy, makes me laugh because yeah, Hardy's, that's a league of two yeah. teams. But Hardy, Hardy's been talking about them a lot, Hardy and Troop. So I like that. But I don't know. So I think, yeah, I think the Celtics are stealing a lot of the spotlight. Obviously, the Patriots, they're hard not to talk about with their crazy offseason they've had. So I don't know. Hopefully, the Bruins talk uh, continues. To, well, Starts up again, not continues to start start up, but I hope it gets going soon again. That's why I think it's a bit of A and bit of B for what you uh, were talking about, Court. I think, yeah, um, people are talking about him coming back, and it's going to be a contract, and it's coming soon. I think he's obviously going to be able to negotiate when he's there, but I think he's also going back to train. I mean, the guy has to live in Boston for most of the year, so you obviously come back to the facilities you know, the people you know. Uh, you know, it's just it's not uncommon for players to come back around this time of year. So. No, yeah, yeah make, so. that's what it makes sense. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Marshan sign at the like right before training camp? Like I don't know why we're World wearing like, yeah. just, I Just before the World Cup ended, I think, actually. Yeah, so like it's not that big of a deal. And uh, actually on Sunday, uh, either Friday or Sunday at development camp last week, um, Bolesky, Marshan, uh, Tommy Cross, and... I'm missing one. Where not Bergeron? Not Bergeron. I I made a mistake. I thought it was Bergeron because he had the beard and everything, and it was Tommy it Cross. It turned out to be Cross. That's right. Yeah, yeah, because I saw the Dunkin' Donuts 
label on the helmet, and it put, I put two and two together. <laughs> That's why. Um, Martian, Valeski, Cross, and there was one more that I'm forgetting. But Petrano? No, no. Um, well, I'll find it. But Keep anyway, uh, yeah, those guys were before development camp uh, happened. They were on the ice before, so those guys are obviously uh, getting ready to start going. Um, it was crazy. Thank you very much. <laughs> I had to beat you to a court. I'm sorry. Oh, hey, no, I appreciate it. <laughs> what are you, are you? Are you going through my tweets? Yeah, 100. Well, percent That's what I was doing. It's just there's I so searched, many. Of them. Like, you well, I searched up your handle and I searched up cross and then I. Uh... Oh yeah, you just stay away from. That's like places. borderline stalking, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Mark, I cover the news with the hockey writers. I, I have know. To make sure that. I... Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that earlier. It's also I also cover the news. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, if you have to cover things as it happens, you got to know how to quickly navigate through the uh, the huge world that is Twitter, which yeah. is actually not as big as we think. I know. But that's I'm just, a non hockey related. I'm just messing what around. If you search cross under Mark's Twitter. Some 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 bad tweets will be out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Well, I'm not. A, I'm, I, I like the player. I mean, I like the I like the role he plays in Providence. I don't see the Agreed. role he plays in the. In the NHL, and I'm a hundred percent agreeance with you, Mark. You know, I, I know you just love pushing my buttons, don't you? Well, that's the whole name of the game, right? I know that's because he's <laughs> my favorite. Make it entertaining. He's like one of my favorite co-hosts, so I, I have to like you know go along one with it. One of my favorite, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not speaking bad about Rob either, but not at all. Only when he's not here. <laughs> What's the rules, right? All right, so are we off this Pasternak thing. Yep. All right. But no, we can never go this past night thing. I know. So right? past that, I mean, he was drafted. No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> um, uh, recent news that kind of puts me in, in a, que- a, a question, but I'm kind of like okay with it. And that was the Bruins signing Subban and Zane McIntyre uh, for two more years on two-way deals. Now, here's my thing: is as Subban is not. Very good. I understand that. But he does... <laughs> wow, sugar-coated at all. He, I know. <laughs> but he does hold some value in the organization. And with Providence, I see him being that st- stability that they need in the minor league uh, affiliate. But um, I read a tweet from Mark Diver. He writes for the Providence Journal. Uh, very, my, very good man. Yeah, and I met him a couple times. Uh, very nice. He writes very well, and and my go-to guy when I need that Providence um, insider news. Uh, he said that Matt Ginn signed an AHL East Coast Hockey League deal with Atlanta. So that that kind of put in perspective what the signings are going on. So I see this year, as of right now, and I know training camp hasn't happened. And I know people are gonna uh, jockey for. Um, jobs and pushing Kudobin out. Right now, I see Rask at the, in the NHL, Kudobin backing him up. Subban, McIntyre in the AHL, and Vladar and Ginn in the East Coast Hockey League with the Atlanta Gladiators. Actually, just the ECHL. What did I say? East Coast. It's There's no uh, acronym for it anymore. They switched that up. What? I thought they changed it. I thought it was Here. like Eastern Collegiate now or something. That's why I heard. I don't, know. I don't know if they just eliminated it. Really? Wow, I didn't even know that. 
trying to drop the knowledge here on the uh, I know. That's podcast. why we bring you on only, you know, a couple times a year because you, you know, show us up. <laughs> um, no, I honestly, I didn't know that. I'll have to look into it after we're done here. But um, how do you see the depth right now, guys? And I'll start with Court. Um, to be honest, in the goaltending, I'm a little scared. But because um, we both wanted them to take a goalie in the second round, we did take a goalie. And from what you've told me and from what I've seen on, on Twitter and, and the goalie we took is he's he's not that bad. He's got some good movements. And you were telling me Vladar looked great. So that that made me feel a little bit better. Subban is Subban. I, I never thought he was going to be much, um, but he'll be fine down in the AHL. Just please don't let him come back up. That that's all I'm saying. Right. I, I'm good with him in the A. Yeah, the goaltending situation is interesting. I think I think Zane McIntyre obviously the backup goalie position wasn't really secure until like late in the season when Kudobin kind of turned it around. But I think McIntyre bringing it back on two years is kind of interesting because the guy's been, he obviously hasn't been in like Providence since 2010 when he was drafted, but like the guy's been a part of the organization technically for seven years. Now he's got to do something soon. And Subban, I don't really know. I was hoping like years ago, like when he was still like around 22, 21, he's like 23 now, uh, December birthday. I was hoping they were going to trade him because his value was still relatively high being a former first-rounder and obviously still young, 2012, 24th overall. But I really just don't see them trading him unless anybody needs, like, goaltending depth that they do find a partner for. But, like, I feel like he's just going to be, like, a an AHLer for a long time. I don't even know if they bring him in after his next deal, his new deal, expires. But I think McIntyre's really got to prove himself at some point. I love the kid. I, I love North Dakota's always been a fun team for me to watch, being a college hockey fan, mostly around here. But I've always liked watching North Dakota. I liked watching him back then. And obviously they won the national championship two years ago. But I think McIntyre's got the most to prove. And um, I hope they do move him because I want to see Vladar continue to grow at the uh, Providence level because I'm fairly high on him. The same here. Brandon, how about you? Uh, I think it's going to be Rascals as a starter. No one's questioning that. It's not going to be some, you know, radical change. Uh, I think Hadobin gets the backup job to start. I think Salary Cap plays a role there, even though I, I don't think it plays a role in terms of keeping the job. I think you have to at least give the guy with the higher salary a chance to start uh, in that role. Um, but no, I think Zane McIntyre, uh, I know Mark's talked about it in the past. The guy looks phenomenal at the AHL level. Um, just really, really good. Really starting to develop, coming to his own. NHL level doesn't look bad. Doesn't look any like anything uh, spectacular. Uh, I mean, 8.58 save percentage. That's not great. I know that the Bruins also didn't want to play in front of uh, any goalie not named Tuka Rask for the most part of last season for whatever reason. Uh, it just they didn't show up whenever another goalie was in net. That was a big problem for Hadobin as well. But uh, no, I mean, the latter half of the year, Hadobin had an incredible run. Uh, looks really good, looks solid. So I think he definitely gets an opportunity to keep that role, but McIntyre is going to push him in the preseason. As for Subban, uh, I like the contracts to both him and McIntyre. I think both of them have a lot of potential. I don't know that either of them ever make it to anything big, but why wouldn't you lock up two young goaltenders for two deals that cost almost nothing? Yeah. They don't cost against the salary cap, and even if they do, it's nothing. Um, no, I saw no issue with it. People were complaining about it. That confused uh, me beyond belief because you're talking about a, go- a goalie who was drafted in the first round, who's 20, uh, 23 years old, um, obviously touted to have just tremendous athletic ability. 
even if he hasn't really shown that he has the uh, the skill set yet to play a great game, um, barring the you know the games he played in the uh, postseason last year. I think I don't know. I'm not sure if either any of you guys uh, saw what he did in the playoffs. I know I'm sure Mark did. Oh yeah. But uh, I mean, 9.37 save percentage, 2.12 goals against average. The guy looked good. He looked like a a legitimate goaltender, but it was still the AHL level. Yep. Yeah. That's what I was That's... about to bring up. Yeah. Like, he, he looked good in the playoffs. Obviously, I didn't watch all of it, but his stats show that he did show start to show some improvement, that, like, he didn't crack under the pressure of the playoffs. Obviously, he didn't have the greatest regular season. I mean, 241 for goals against, and a 917 save percentage isn't terrible, but they're not great. But it's good to see that he's hopefully turning a corner. I think, honestly, I agree with Brandon um, that Kudobin's going to start. Uh, hopefully, he can pick up where he left off, had a better... Uh, at latter half of the season last year. But if not, obviously, it's going to be a lot like last season. They're going to give McIntyre a shot. They might send Kudobin down. And it's it's really insecure. But, like, I hope I hope that changes this year because it was frustrating to watch this year happen. McIntyre come up, and then you see, oh, like, he's not ready. And then they call up Subban. He's not ready. And it's just a carousel that finally rectified itself in the latter half like we mentioned but i i don't know i think kudobin did turn it around but he is on thin ice he doesn't his job is not secure by any means yeah um for me the goaltending depth uh, is i'm i'm a huge Vlada fan i was really psyched when they got him second ranked european goalie in 2015 uh third round pick um and I, I just see tremendous talent with him. He plays the. He, he's got really good lateral movement side to side for a big goaltender. Um, really shuts down the bottom of the crease. Um, you know, he does have rasp tendencies on the goal glove side, but um, I don't see that being an issue. The, the thing, in, and I know many people that listen to this podcast on a regular basis have understood where I'm coming from. The the Atlanta Gladiators really depleted their defensive core last year, trading uh, Phil Kessel's brother. Uh, and some other valuable assets away from that team, which to me didn't really bring out Vladar's true game. So you really didn't see uh, him shine in that particular league because the guys in front of him were really that good. Um, but when he did make the call to the NH, uh, the American Hockey League because of switches that had to be made, injuries and blah, 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 I thought I saw a stellar goaltender when he played in front of better talent. And as of right now, his AHL career is unbeaten at 4-0-1. So the signing of um, Subban was kind of a little rough for me. I know you don't want to let him walk being a first-round pick, but um, regardless of where everybody lands, they're going to get equal time because uh, I've been watching minor pro hockey uh, throughout the Bruins organization for three or four years now, and I've come to realize by looking at the numbers – that each goaltender, and, and no matter what league, uh, it, it all depends on the prospect, too. If, if there's no prospects, goaltenders in the uh, East Coast League, then, you know, obviously a, a player like Matt Ginn's going to get a, 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 you know, a heavy workload. But pretty much these goaltenders are getting 30 to 35 games on a 76-game season. That's, that's a good point, actually. I remember... Um I was writing about uh, the newest faces at development camp uh, for all positions, obviously. I read Kirk Ludicky's post about all the prospects, but Swayman really stuck out to me. Um, he mentioned how Swayman in the USHL didn't have a great team in front of him, and he still put up okay numbers. It was his first year. He 
uh, made 30-plus appearances. And an interesting note, I don't know how Kirk found this out, but Kirk's the best. He'll, he'll find out anything, obviously, if it betters his cause and um, informs the people, because obviously he's got a lot of fans out there. But his dad, Jeremy Swayman's dad, obviously he's still young, could still grow. He's around 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. So imagine if Swayman has all these intangibles and all these good like qualities that he brings to his game, and he grows to around 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and can still keep that good lateral movement and obviously everything else he brings to the table. I don't know a ton about the guy, but I've heard his movement is uh, one of his best qualities. So imagine that. I wanted to bring that up because obviously you mentioned uh, with Atlanta, Vladar not having the best team in front of him, and it sounds like Swayman had a similar predicament in the USHL. Yep. And we got to remember that goaltenders don't exactly burst onto the scene. It's very Goalie- rare. You, you have your carry price, yeah. They take forever. Look at Tim Thomas, who won us the Stanley Cup. As much as he wasn't my favorite goalie, um, he was at the end of his career when he started his career. Yeah. Carey Price yeah. didn't even look great until uh, a few years ago. He looked like a good goalie, but he's only become the goalie he is in, like, 2014. Mm-hmm. That's right. And Braden Holpe kind of came out of nowhere, too. Yeah, another great example. All right, um, moving on from the goaltenders, great conversation right there. Hopefully we give uh, some people, the listeners some good insight uh, from all different opinions. But um, here's one that I, I think me and Brandon are going to have a not an issue, but a little going back and forth. But um, bringing up the additions of veterans out there, um, three particularly that have just come off of my head. I don't have notes in front of me, but uh, Shane Doan, Yarmie Yager, and... Um, Jerome McGinley. Jerome McGinley. Um, number one, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just start this off. Is I'm ready. I'm ready for the um, youth movement. I want to see these kids take more of a role. Now, listen. I understand people. People have come back on me on Twitter and said you can't bring in six guys. You cannot bring in six rookies and make it work. That's not you what's going to happen. If you look, if people take the time and look at the current roster. There's not six positions available. No. So two two spots. Right. Uh, more people more in the than forward. Two. Yeah, we're well, so plus people, but not positions. But there's plenty of guys on both ends, defense and forward, that can be competing this year. But so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want like an old, old an older guy like in the forties, like Akinla or or Yager, whoever maybe they're done. But I love a guy like Thomas Vanek. I don't know what you guys think, but I think. He could really help stabilize Krejci. Obviously, there's a good chance Krejci plays with one younger player, but I think he could really stabilize Krejci. He had 48 points in 68 games last year. He can still produce at 33 years old. Yep. Bruins killer, too. be nice to have him yeah, you know, not exactly. score on us. <laughs> um, he couldn't but, hurt us. Right. But go on, Mark. But it, it, my thing is, is, is I just want to give these positions to a guy that, that – has worked through the development um, that might, you know, be a, a, a person of interest at, at camp. But I'm not, you know, I'm not saying these guys can't come on on PTOs and so on, but my thing is, is like, I do not see this Bruins team winning. I'm looking on paper right now. I'm looking at this roster. I do not see any movements over the summer that, that indicate a second round appearance, a third round, or a Stanley Cup appearance. If this roster did dictate those types of, of improvements, I could see bringing in a player like him. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I just don't see it right now. I mean, the only thing, and I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about the guy, but the only thing that Yager has going for him is that big ass of his. So, <laughs> you know, he's got decent puck possession, but he's slow. It, it is a fact that 45 people get slow, and they're going to get slower. But he plays that s- certain type of game that has adjusted to his level at this time of his, uh, of his, of his age. So... Uh, I'm just curious, uh, Brandon. Why don't you, I'd love to hear what you got to uh, have to say about this? All right. Um, I mean, for starters, we're totally in agreement that the spot should go to the younger guys. I think you have uh, two, maybe yeah, no, two top six spots that are available: um, the left wing on Crazy's line, the right wing on Bergeron's line. Uh, you also have at least one spot on the uh, the third line. That's assuming that both Bacchus and JFK get time to start the year there. I think that Vitrano's not a lock for that role. I don't think Bolesky's a lock for that role. Um, so you could see a player there. So I think you're looking at players like Heinen, Bjork, Solarik, maybe Sinitian. I'm not sure he's going to make the jump right away, but people have been talking about it. Same thing for Zaboral. Uh, before this development camp, I didn't think he was going to be even a factor for the, uh, the NHL squad. But, I mean, he came to play. Yeah. But in terms of a veteran addition, I don't want a veteran just to add one. I don't want a Vanek. I don't want yeah. a Ginla. I don't want Doan. Not that, like, if you look at a Ginla, you look at Doan, they're going to be good additions in the locker room. No, I'm not talking about a Vanek. I'm just saying those two. They're longtime leaders, longtime captains of their clubs, um, very respected in the hockey world. Yermir Yager, the guy, I agree, he's slower than he once was. He's not going to rip through the, uh, you know, the middle of the ice and, uh, and just... Uh, split the D anymore, but he's still a tremendous possession player. Uh, I think he's probably one of the best possession players of all time, just both uh, analytically and by the eye test. The guy, he's good. He stops shots against. He produces uh, offense for. And I think this is something that I've noticed. Uh, I noticed it a few years ago, and I'll never forget the vision of seeing uh, or the, just the the image of it. Yager sitting in between Tyler Sagan and Brad Marchand. And you see them listening to what he's saying. And then years later, you look at Brad Marchand, and the guy is just a puck possession monster. You, I mean, he obviously learned something from Yager. Yep. Uh, I'm not saying that Yager spoke to him, and all of a sudden he, he knew everything about hockey. But Yager was able to say, hey, maybe you, know, you see this thing here. Maybe you, you pivot a certain way, or maybe you, you try and play the game this way. And then you look how Marchand uh, developed. I think that having Yager in the, uh, the locker room... Having him in a top six role, maybe to start, uh, put him on the uh, third line. I don't care where he is. If you put him on a one-year deal that's not too expensive, there's no risk. The team isn't spending money anyway. Uh, I think we'd all rather, and Mark, I think you can agree too, we'd be better off having Yermer Yager at one year at $3.5 million than we would at having any other player just to fill a role for two years or more. I can yeah, agree with that. that. So if you have Yager just for the one year as a player that can help develop uh, develop your younger players, I think it goes hand in hand with uh, with the youth development. Because no, you can't. You can have six youth players. You shouldn't have six uh, all joining at once. Don't forget, we also still have Carlo and McAvoy. I know uh, Carlo's one year into his career, but they're still very young. They're still learning. Same for uh, for Pasternak. He's I know it's going to be his fourth year, but he's still young. He's very he's younger than I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, you uh, 
you can't count on the young players to come in right away and make an impact. I think we saw that with Danton Heinen last year. I was very, very high on him coming out of the uh, coming out of uh, university, and then he didn't look bad by any stretch of the imagination, but he wasn't producing offense, um, or he wasn't scoring. He wasn't hitting the uh, the actual score sheet, and that's an issue when you're talking about a player getting an opportunity next to David Krejci, who's widely considered one of the better playmakers in the league. Um, I think you could also see that uh, the same thing happening with Anders Bjork. I think Bjork looked incredible at development camp. I think he's always looked good as a player. I just don't know that we can immediately say he's our new top six left winger. If you trade for a guy like Gabriel Landeskog, I'm not saying to do that, but if you do, at least you know what you're getting. Yeah. Bjork hasn't played a single game in the NHL. Yeah, it's hard, you to, can it's say, hard to test. Exactly. It's the same thing you were saying with... Uh, before, like you can look at the development uh, for goalies, they're all going to get equal time because you have to make sure you see the best the player can give you, and even then, there's no guarantee. Right. Yeah, I want to. I want to get your guys' thoughts. I think the guy that a lot of people are forgetting about. I know he didn't play a ton of games on David Krejci's wing. It's Peter Solarik. I want to get your guys' thoughts on if JFK isn't ready. Say they want to put David Backus back at third-line center. I don't think it will happen realistically, but I'd love to see it. He was a better center. Obviously, he played center the majority of his time in St. Louis. But then you put Solarik on Krejci's left wing. Then the right wing spot is honestly up for grabs. You might not think so with um, Backus moving down there, Pasternak. I think Pasternak's a lock to play with Marsh and Bergeron, honestly. But I'd love to see them at least try. I think Jake DeBrusque is almost pretty much a lock to make the team this year. To see Jake DeBrusque on Bacchus's wing on the third line and Anders Bjork on the right wing with like a stabilized veteran presence in the middle of them at his natural position, who he'll likely be more comfortable. And obviously like he's not the best skater, but like he'll at least be able to somewhat keep up with fast guys and young guys like DeBrusque and Bjork. I want to get your guys' thoughts about Solarik playing with Krejci again and maybe that happening in a fantasy world, maybe I don't think it will happen realistically. I think Backus will probably start out on wing, but I want you to get your guys' thought on that. Maybe David Backus going back to the third line and playing center. I actually was uh, very impressed with Solar's game. He had he had his one bad period that I think cost him the rest of his, his time, but also he was hurt. So he went back down and just couldn't get back into the lineup. But when he played on that line with uh, Pasternak and Krejci, he was effective out there. He was a big body out there that could move the puck, that could skate with those two, and didn't look out of place at all. Had looked like he had the hockey sense. He just uh, couldn't put the puck in the ocean. I I, I think we could watch yeah. many a highlight of him, you know, hitting the post, missing the empty net. Like he was set up a lot. It just it, his stick was a little too tight on him. He's he playing is, his first time, but he's yeah, a great he player. I thought he was great. Yeah, he is a little older than a lot of the young guys too. He has a 2013 draft pick, but I love. I think it's going to be a lot of, like, trial. I don't know about trial and error, but, like, trying guys out in different positions to, like, get them, like, into the feeling out process. I think it, they'd be stupid not to at least give Solaric another shot because I believe off the top of my head I don't have his um, stat page up right now. But I think he played, like, seven games, like, around the same amount as Danton Heinen played last year, and he looked good. Obviously, like you said, he he couldn't put the puck in the ocean. But um, he he did look like a good like a guy that can make plays with a guy like Krejci, a veteran guy. He's got a good two way game. That's what they've been saying about him since he was drafted. I was very impressed when I that's around when I started watching the draft was 2012 2013 following it, and I've kind of been like low key 
high on him ever since. So I hope he gets another shot. And um, I would I would love to see that third line maybe if they want to make Bacchus a little more comfortable because he did look a little out of place sometimes in the wing. Um, yeah, no, Solaric, I mean, he's still young. He's 21. He's going to be 22 at the start of the season. Uh, big body. A lot of last year uh, when he played. I know that I got confused with him and uh, Marshan sometimes. Just, uh, I mean, the number helps also, the 83 and 63. But just the way he looked on the ice, he looked shifty. He looked like he had uh, deceptive speed, um, good possession, good two-way ability. I mean, the guy played overseas. Uh, he played in Sweden against men for three seasons before he came over to the uh, North America. Um, I would love to see him play in the NHL this year. I think he could be a really good third-line player and a second-line player in a pinch. I don't think Pasternak plays with Bergeron and Marchand. I think that's the best line. I you think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better line in the entire league. Um, but no, I think Pasternak stars with Krejci. Gives you that nice one-two punch on both the first and second line. And then Bjork gets the spot right away on either of those uh, flanks, left or right, top or bottom. Um, I think Heinen also gets an opportunity right away to start there. And then I think you come down to Jake Tabrusk and Peter Solaric, who gets that last spot on the third line next to what I think is going to start as Bacchus and JFK, either center and wing for Bacchus and JFK or the reverse where JFK starts at center. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm agreeing with Brandon on the uh, where Pasternak's placing. I, I felt the team played better with Pasternak on the second line with Krejci and Marshan with Bergeron because it spread out the scoring. Because if you throw Pasternak up there, we go back to, hey, I'm David Krejci, let's give him no one to pass to. And you have a line that they can just put all the pressure on one line. It allowed the team to generate more offense. I know Pasternak's numbers showed great on that line with Bergeron and, and Marshan, but they showed just as well with Krejci. It's not like his scoring dried up when he went yeah. on the second line. He was great out there. And with regards to bringing in a veteran presence, I'm all on the belief that we go with a PTO because these kids that we we have, some of them, and Solaric is one of them, who I, I think will make the opening day roster this year, we have some guys that are not the, the Bjorks and the, uh, uh, the JFKs that might show somebody in training camp a little bit extra. No one thought Brandon Carlo was going to make this team last year. And uh, he played top uh, top minutes the whole season. Yeah, I, I think I just don't know about about <laughs> Bjork on like the first line right away. I love Anders Bjork. Obviously, um, I'm not comparing him like so to say to Jimmy VC, but Jimmy VC, I don't know, was playing first line. But you've got to give these guys time, even though they're studs in college and Hobie Baker finalists, winners, whatever it may be. They do need time. So I don't th- I don't think Anders Bjork is honestly the best fit for the first line unless he's just absolutely phenomenal in like development camp in the, or um, training camp in the preseason and just like shows you like he's the lock to be there. I think he should start either may, maybe on the third line but or either on Krejci's right wing to start because I think um, obviously he shouldn't be thrown in right away. I think even though he is good, he's got to get time to like get into like a groove a bit because he is still young. Um, he did play in Hockey East. Obviously, Notre Dame isn't playing in Hockey East anymore. They're moving to the Big Ten. But obviously, he's not a part of that anymore. I think just easing him into it, I think giving him like 20, 20 or so games maybe in like, on like the second or third line, maybe a little less, honestly. It might not even take him that much. would be really beneficial. And then maybe if they feel he is ready and confident, they put him on the top line and really he can show his stuff and that explosive potential that he showed at Notre Dame. 
Um, when you're talking about Solaric, I, I, I love his game um, away from the puck. Um, he seems to be at the right place at the right time. Uh, he definitely can throw his body around. Uh, he's gritty again on the boards and crashes the net very well. I've seen a lot of his games where he does a lot of those things that I just mentioned at the American Hockey League level as a person that watches every AHL Bruins game. Um, I, I, I definitely want to see him get a chance because I, I, I do believe he's, he, he plays that Bruins style that, the, that um, upper management really like to see. Um, obviously, uh, goal score and point production uh, could be better. And I, I believe that um, I, I'm I'm a little dumbfounded right now, but uh, is he Czech Republic? Slovakia. No, he's Slovakia. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, but um, uh, you know he could create a little chemistry with an older player like Krejci. Um, he does have some quick uh, quick stride that could um, uh, be beneficial to a Krejci pass, uh, and then have Krejci work work hard up the middle. Um, and then, you know, obviously, um, once you get into the offensive zone, you can uh, adjust your play from there. But, I, I mean, I'm all for bringing them in just from what I've seen. I, I, I don't really base my, my evaluations on, on point production all the time. But if you're, if you're an all-around player, you're damn right I'm going to be saying something about you. Um, Agreed. You know, he doesn't there's there's a lot of things that he needs to work on he's he's still young entry level deals uh you know it's all a work in progress so but so far his progression i i'm impressed with it was, there was there was one game where if i don't know if you guys remember they commanded the puck for almost over a minute that they had the puck between pasta uh Solaric and Krejci and no one could get the puck off him yeah. it was yeah. awesome and that's the kind of game that I'm talking about with Yager, but that's just because I, I love this style of game where it's if you have the puck, the other team doesn't have the puck. Yep. And that's such a valuable thing. And I think Solaric fits right into that mold. I also think Heinen does, even if it's less consistent. Um, and just uh, just go back to what Mark was saying about him being Slovakian. Are you suggesting a Czechoslovakian line of Solaric, Krejci, and uh, Pasternak? That would be I'm dirty. all for that. I'm all for I love that line. Right? Just the title. Just the title of the uh, the line. We need um, more name titles now. Yeah. I I wrote an article about Solarica because after that game I was like, wow, this is a line. And then he he busted up his shoulder, and I that was the worst part. I'm trying to do it. I'm like, come on, can you just be from the Czech Republic? Just make my life a lot easier. No, the just Czech Republic line. He's bringing things back together. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that's good. I like that. Bringing the country back together. One thing I was going to talk about, but I'm going to incorporate it into um, this conversation about Solaric is uh, is Bolesky and and Bolesky's role on this team next season. <laughs> you know, if the Bruins buy Bolesky out after they make a deal after arbitration with Ryan Spooner, I believe then there's a spot because Solaric is a versatile forward that could play both both sides. So yes. I I think that that would be a perfect opportunity for him to go into that third line role and um and be an effective player for you know however long he stays there i'm not going to say a number on how many goals he could score on that line but his production would definitely be needed um in other attributes of his game but um going just saying that i mean how do you guys feel about the Bolesky? i mean is, are we all in agreement that it was just Contract year kind of anticipation that 
they got him out of Anaheim and probably didn't see this future happening. Yeah. I didn't have an issue with signing him. Uh, obviously, the years wasn't great. Same for Bacchus. I, I actually wrote an article about Bacchus signing, uh, how I would love it if it was two years, three years, but anything longer than that would be a mistake. And then they signed him for the long deal, obviously. Uh, in terms of Bolesky, I mean, everyone knew he was going to uh, fall off from his 20, I think it was 22 goals in his last season with Anaheim. And then he goes to Boston, and everyone was expecting a deal uh, before free agency started, somewhere in the 5 to $6 million a year range. When they got him for, uh, for $3.8 million, I was okay with that. In the grand scheme of things, that's not a crazy amount of money for any player in the league. You could easily fit that money in, and uh, it's not going to... It's not going to be the difference between a Stanley Cup and not winning a Stanley Cup. Right. When you have that contract, you have Hayes' contract, you have the money that you're going to be paying Seidenberg this year. Um, obviously, it comes, uh, it all adds up, but I think that's why you have to have these young guys in the lineup. I think, I mean, even after not scoring 20 goals in his, uh, his follow-up year, his, contract, his first uh, year in Boston, he set a career high in points, and he showed physicality. Last year, he was injured. I think that took a big toll on him. I think he gets an opportunity this year to show that he's the same player he was because I think he's a very good leader. I think he's a very good grit guy. Again, that's not all you're looking for in a hockey team. Right. But he's the, he's the kind of player that I'm okay with having the the, uh, the edge. Not Pasternak, but uh, more Boleski, McQuaid, Miller, those kind of players. But uh, no, I mean, I'm also not in the, uh, in the camp that thinks, well, he's making this much money, so we have to play him. I want to play the best possible team. Yeah. I don't care if we keep Spooner for whatever reason. I don't think he should get any ice time whatsoever. because And that's coming from a guy who was very high off of Spooner, even before the draft. I wanted him badly. They drafted him. They developed him. I was very high on him. And, I mean, I'm sure, going back to one of my first appearances on the podcast with uh, with Mark, I probably talked very well about Spooner, and he's probably coming up with a good year, too. But I think everyone saw what he did last year. He just looked out of place in every uh, possible way. Even on the power play, he didn't look as effective. So I think you don't uh, you don't keep him regardless of whatever contract he gets. You don't just give Bolesky the spot. It's the same reason why Hayes was bought out. 2.3 million, barely got a nice time last year. So I think the team uh, is aware that cap hit shouldn't uh, dictate ice time. Right. See, uh, speaking of Spooner, if they do end up trading him, which I think hopefully they will, it's honestly so uncertain at this point. Uh, would you guys rather see them? Obviously, there's a possibility of a draft pick coming back. But would you rather see them go after like a left-handed defenseman to kind of help stabilize a lot of people, maybe bringing in a veteran? I know I want a guy like Johnny Oduya maybe if they miss out on a trade. Or um, getting like a solid winger like Anthony Duclair's name has been thrown out there. I don't know any other options. I saw Joel Armia. I don't know if you trade Spooner him straight up, but he was on TSN's trade bait list a while ago. He's a former first-round pick from Buffalo that I like a little bit bigger, both like a good shot and some good intangibles. I don't know who would you guys rather see, like a defenseman that could possibly like sprinkle in some top four minutes, top six, be like a stabilizing presence, or a winger for Spooner if they were to trade him. Well, it, I'll go first and see when you. I appreciate what you're saying, Mike. I really do. Is Armia? Is he play for Winnipeg right now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm not saying straight up. I think Spooner's worth more than Armia. Right. He was Palmer. part of the uh, the Kane trade, I believe. Yeah. He was. Yeah. He went um, with with Tyler Myers over to Winnipeg. And uh, was it Lemieux? It was Lemieux. Yeah. I don't know if it was not. Maybe J.C. LePon, but I'm not sure. 
anyway, I, 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 I actually really like that deal. I, um, I don't remember who brought it up, but um, I know I saw it on Twitter along with everybody else about uh, Spooner to uh, the Arizona Coyotes for Anthony Duclair. I didn't, I yeah. didn't mind that at all. Even one for one, I didn't mind that at all. But I'll uh, add to that trade if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't know how that can even happen though. One for one. Yeah, I know. Um, but when you bring, when you talk about defensemen coming in, you know, it's it. I mean, I understand the postman signing was one of those insurance policies for this Bruins team to look forward in this off season to you know potentially bring additions in. Um, but it's almost like you're wasting that money, even though it's it's a low seven fifty, seven hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar yeah. one year deal for Postma, and Postma is pretty much going to be that guy that's taking over for Joe Morrow. He's going to be yes. making the popcorn in the ninth floor, as Court has mentioned. The popcorn is fantastic. It is very good. I, I'm not <laughs> even like sugarcoating. It's it's like movie movie level popcorn up there. Um, wait, well Postma, he could be. I agree, he could be in that role. But it also depends on how they want to configure the line with uh, – if you look at the lineup right now, I think we can agree as configured you have Chera and either Carlo or McAvoy, Krug, and then the other uh, of the two. So you have Carlo, McAvoy, Chera, Krug. Now you have uh, McQuaid, Miller, Postma, who are all possibilities for that, those last few spots. We know that Miller can play the left side, but he's more comfortable on the right. Obviously McQuaid is a right-hand shot. Postma fits into that left spot, so unless they want to make uh, maybe Miller play on the played. left side, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. I think another trade could be on the horizon. We Wait. we've all been saying that we all want a left shot defenseman. I was actually one of the on the top of the hills screaming, "Let's get this guy!" And please don't bring in Kevin Shattenkirk. Still happy we didn't sign the guy. But uh, if you look at our prospects, we're stacked on the left side. Yes, yeah. that's why I was like, afraid of Carlo at that point. Stacked on the left side. So believe it or not, that was the whole like when I started looking at this Gabriel Lanskog, Matt Duchesne thing, um, the the pipe dream of all, every Bruins fan that we're going to get these guys and it's going to change everything, even though they're at a team that can't win. But let's bring over guys that can't win. Um, we need guys for the right side. That's true. So when yeah. Cam Neely, as much as I pains me to say this, said at the beginning of the summer that he was looking to fill the right side, not the left side, he's right. Yeah, and to, and we to, need a right shot defenseman. And to go back on Mike's question about um, the left shot defenseman, my thing is, it's just uh, I, at this point in the off season, what I like to do is I like to look at the at the at the current roster, and and if you look, and if you want to add a left shot defenseman, somebody on that roster that's currently under contract has to go. Yeah, so, you McQuaid. know, and right, right. I am not a huge McQuaid fan. I understand his role in the team. I do too, yeah. You know, I, I get all those intangibles about that type of player. I just I need I, I need better I need a better guy in his zone. And and maybe I'm not seeing the same as everybody else, but uh, besides the toughness, besides the guy that's gonna be there for your teammate, I, I see a lot of possession, mental mistakes, and bad coverage when he's on the ice. And and I'm not trying to pick on the guy. I, I understand he's you know, the role but and from my eye test, that's what I see. Yeah, and, 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 and it was Kevin scary Nolan that when he went down in the playoffs, we actually missed him. Yeah, yeah. That's the well, trip. I mean, because everybody else was hurt. Yeah. To, to go back to your point on the right-hand defenseman, yes and no. I think we need right-shot prospects. I don't think we that's need right-shot I mean. defensemen. I don't think we need any 
a, an immediate defenseman right now that into the lineup. If you can get one, sure, for a year, but I don't want to hinder any development for what we have coming down the pipeline because I honestly feel we have some of the best defensive prospects in the league. I think we have some of the best prospects in the league, bar none. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think you're missing some on the uh, right side, both defensively and at the right wing. But, uh, no, I mean, if you look at the left, I mean, I think people are, they have issues with Krug playing top four. And that's understandable because he's not a traditional um, defenseman that we've seen. But I think if you look around the league, everyone can look at Krug and say he fits the mold perfectly to the kind of players that Boston wants or all the people and, in the media And for about. the new NHL, for the puck moving and fast skating. He right. was one of the best defensemen in the league last and I can't even believe I'm saying it, but he was in the top 20 in the league. Right, they're going to turn the puck over. It's not going to be a perfect, you know, you're, not everybody's going to be Victor Hedman. Correct. They just look good at all times at both ends of the ice. Also, very underrated defenseman, Victor Hedman. Oh, one um, of us. But I would say he's probably the second best in the league, or right next to Eric Carlson. But, uh, no, if you look at uh, the Bruins, I agree with you, Court. I would love to bring in a left-shot defenseman for one year just to play the uh, the bottom pairing role. Or Johnny to even... Oduya. Or to even... Uh, you know, push Krug a bit for that top four role. But, uh, no, you look at the, the prospects coming up. Zaboro, uh, Lozon, Lindgren, Vakanainen, you even got O'Gara and Greslik. That's why I'd be okay with moving a guy like McQuaid. Then you have the uh, the six that you have currently would be Chara, Krug, Carlo McAvoy, uh, Miller, and Postma. Those would be your six. And then you also have a guy like Greslik or O'Gara, who I think are both ready to come up and play either a bottom pairing role or play in uh, as a seventh defenseman. And then you have so many options for call-ups. You can make a, a mid-season move. There's just there's no reason to jump and make a huge blockbuster trade. I haven't been in that camp at all this season. I mean, no one's going to say no to getting a player like Matt Duchesne or a player like Gabriel Landeskog. No one's going to say we don't want that. The issue is the, the repercussions in the long term. Yeah. How much are you going to send to get him? Are you going to be trading away Brandon Carlo, which would hurt because of the right shot deficiency we have in our uh, pipeline? Are you going to be giving up uh, multiple top prospects for a player who is good, but isn't John Tavares into Shane? He's good. He's really good, but he's not a top five center in the league. No, um, and when he plays in the Olympics, he's he's a piece. He's just the extremely fast skater that they have on the team. Yeah, I mean, I love Matt Duchesne. I'm a huge fan of Matt Duchesne, and I have been for a while. Same for Gabriel Landeskog. I'm a big fan of Landeskog. I just don't know that we need them, especially with the prospects we have. That's where Mark and I, um, where we disagree, we also agree greatly. We're both very big prospect guys. We both really want to see the prospects. Um, but no, you can't uh, You can't hinder their progression. You can't say, well, we have this player, so now we can't promote you, so you're going to sit in the AHL, or we're going to trade you. And then you're going to turn out to be one of the better players in the league that we just couldn't figure out because we have a guy who's a little bit older filling that role. Right. Well, we also have, you know, Sweeney, um, as much as when he first came in, I criticized him and I didn't know what he was doing out there. And I'm, I'm like, where are they getting these draft picks from? But as, as Mark did in one of his articles, the Trent Fredericks of the world, they come out of nowhere and, and prove us all wrong and prove that he does know what he's doing. So let's stick with the plan. Why are we deciding three years in, you know what, let's blow it up and Let's, let's try and win right. now. I, I understand the fan base because maybe the people in Boston, they're, they're a little bit spoiled with a team like the Red Sox and a, and a team like the Patriots that seem to win a lot. It's just in the in the new age in hockey, it's all about patience and prospects and winning with the draft. It's not about picking the, the bones of a team that uh, is playing terrible and is trying to dump people. 
I think the issue with uh, Frederick, it wasn't so much that he didn't produce before he got drafted, which is obviously a big issue. I think the issue was the uh, the report. I can't remember who said it in the organization, but how they said that they were drafting him to be a good, gritty third-line player. And you're thinking of a first-round pick. I mean, Alex Dabrinkit was still there. You're trying to hit a home run in the first round, especially yeah. the latter half of the first round. You're not trying to get a guy. You don't want the safe pick. Um, that can not be the exception because we have so many left-shot defensemen. And at that point in the draft, I didn't really see anybody else that would have been tremendously better. There were players that I wanted. I mean, I really wanted uh, Tolvanen. But at the same time, you can go with a safe pick and uh, position that you're stacked in. When it comes to center, you're talking about Ryan Donato and JFK. Who else do we really have in the organization that could be a legitimate top six center uh, for the long haul? Trent Frederick now looks like he could be a good player. I still see him as more of a third-line player uh, until I see more consistency from him, uh, like more than just one year. That being said, I'm not pigeonholing him into a, into a role where he's not going to have room for improvement. I think the guy shined last year. I just want to see it more consistently and at a higher level uh, before I jump to conclusions on him. Again, not saying he's not going to be good, just saying I want to see more. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that you guys brought up like the young prospects on defense. Because going back to the Duchesne point, if we if we trade for a guy like Duchesne, it's pretty much a given that it's going to take Brendan Carlo. And trading Brendan Carlo at this point, obviously he's not a full. He's like really good, and he's established himself to some degree this year. But he's not a fully like NHL established, like amazing top four defenseman. But he is, is a solid presence right now with great potential, and you lose a big piece there. I'm only okay with trading Carlo for Duchesne is if you get, like, one of their right-handed prospects back, like maybe Nick Malak or Chris Bigris. But I'm only okay with that if you get them or tra- make a separate trade for another guy like Sammy Vatner or something because that leaves a huge hole on the top four on the right side if you give up Carlo and don't get someone back. Obviously, I doubt they'd get Barry back in the same deal with Duchesne. That's just a pipe dream. But back with, like, Vaca 9 and the Lowe's on, I think, obviously, it's good, especially that you have the left-handed guys over the right-handed guys. Obviously, I'm not saying it's good to be a little more depleted on the right-handed side, but you're going to have to replace Chara down the road. I don't think Cruz is going to be that top-pairing guy. I think he'll be, at most, like a solid like puck-moving second-pairing defenseman. But Vakaninen is a good skater um, with good like hockey sense and a lot of good things. He needs to boost his offense maybe a little bit. That could be like a top four guy in the future. I'm very, very high on Jeremy Lozon after watching him in the World Juniors. And it's good to have like a, a, a carousel of options that you can look at. Maybe they make a trade down the road when Chara's done. And all this is just nothing. But it's good to have a carousel of options because Chara isn't going to last forever. And I don't know what you guys think, but I just don't think, unless Krug takes a big step, I have nothing against Tori Krug. I think he's a great, great puck mover. And just like a solid defense, he needs a little work in his defensive zone. But I think it's good to have those guys that you can count on, hopefully, to replace the big guy someday. Because obviously, he's been with the team for so long. If you're not just going to find him out of nowhere. It's going to be someone you either trade for that's already really established in the league or someone that's proved that they can do it within the organization. I think See, I, I, I thought Krug took a big step last year. I, I know. I just don't think Kyle's carrying yet. We we yeah. I said to, I've said to Mark a bunch of times playing the Ottawa Senators and the way the playoffs went out last year was like the perfect storm. Tory Krug is in the lineup. We beat Ottawa. We beat the Rangers, and we're playing Pittsburgh to see who goes to the finals. That's yeah. literally how I see it happening. 
with with our defense, just the way it worked out that we wouldn't have to play those other teams. It was the perfect storm, and unfortunately, we lost Tory Krug and Carlo right off the bat. Those two guys play, especially Tory Krug. He was the reason we couldn't match Eric Carlson because we didn't have the same sort of defenseman that could create offense like they were getting from theirs. Or to get out of the trap. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at the... Uh, just to go back to what uh, what Mike was saying, if you look at def- uh, the, the way that our team is built up with defensemen and defensive prospects, Chara is a more defensive player. Obviously, he's very good two-way. We've seen him produce offense and defense through his entire career, but he's more of on the defensive side of things. Uh, McAvoy can play both. Very good two-way player, more offensive. Krug, more offensive. Carlo, more defensive. Even if you look at the prospects, Zaboral, uh, nice, healthy mix, more defensive, though. If yeah. you look at uh, Lausanne, more offensive. Lindgren, more defensive. Akinata, more defensive. I like having that balance. You can't have uh, too many offensive players and too many defensive players. You look at one of the best defensive pairings in the entire league, and it showed in the playoffs. That was uh, Matthias Ekholm and P.K. Subban. I really like Ekholm, and I've wanted him for a while. I don't think he's going anywhere at this point. But he's uh, he's a really, really good defensive defenseman. He's very physical. He's very defensive. You put him with a guy like Subban, who's very, very good offensively, but who is uh, he struggles defensively, was well, the perfect storm right there. That's yeah. why I like how... I mean, and just going back to Lausanne real quick, uh, him and Zaboral, I've watched them closely, uh, obviously living in Quebec. I've seen them uh, live many times, and I've watched them many times. They both look really good. And I know there's going to be people, and there's going to be media and fans and people that freak out. Oh, Zaboral, he had a bad year in his second year. The guy still looks fantastic. The guy is big. He plays with an edge. He's a... Uh, you, you can't evaluate a player based off of the hockey DB page. And you can't evaluate a player in one year. If last, Correct me if I'm wrong. Joe Thornton got, what, eight points in his first year? <laughs> uh, Victor Hedman, who we were speaking at before, he looked lost in his first year in Tampa. He's one of the best defensemen in the league. Steven Stamkos was considered to be a bust almost immediately for yeah. whatever reason. And same with the caveat. Yeah, the caveat too. too. Um, uh, oh. No, if you... Sorry. Sorry, you, now, if you look at, uh, like you said, you can't evaluate a player that quickly. You just, uh, I just lose my train of thought. Go ahead. I'll figure it out. Um, with me, uh, I just want to go back on what Mike was saying about Lawson and, and Zaboral. Um, and also the great points that you got both uh, collaborated right there. Um, see, in my opinion, a lot of fans, just they see that, like what you said, um, Brandon, the hockey DB numbers, and they just and they, and they assess their assessment off of those and I, I just don't think that is the right thing to do because even though defensemen can be offensive defensemen they're not always going to play that role especially in development uh, and that's just my opinion but you just got to reach out to people and ask the questions if you have time uh, instead of just going to a stat um, website like I am very familiar with uh, Craig Eagles uh, he's a writer. He's a Rogers TV color analyst up in St. John's. Um, yes. And for the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And uh, he tells me, I mean, we, I love talking to this guy because he just tells me what I want to hear and not what I want to see. Um, you know, he he, t- he says that every year that Lozon goes up, and, I mean, I'm sorry, Zboro goes up and down is because he's doing, and I know I've mentioned this and I'm hitting, I'm beating a dead horse. He's doing different things in his development to adjust to his game. 
in the later part of professionalism. So if you can get high on your offense and be stable on your defense another year and then go up and down like the roller coaster, it's not a bad thing to happen. You're, you're incorporating so many attributes for your future development in a professional level, especially as he's now able to be a player in the, uh, in the American Hockey League with Providence next season. This is all good things, and this is why I, I trust people like Craig Eagles. A great yeah. follow. Please follow him. If you don't, talk to him if you can. Uh, he'll give you some good insight on what he sees from the eye test that he gets. I don't travel to, to Canada to see these prospects. I wish I could. I do the local thing, but, you know, um, just I, I, I just encourage people to really you know, watch video, reach out to people that, that yeah. are close. Yeah, Mark, yeah, um, you make a great point there. Um, it's good, like you, like you said, like he's working on different like aspects of his game, like to become a professional someday. It's like you hardly see one-dimensional players last or earn like consistent, like good, like respectable playing time. Like you said about the stats, it's not all the stats. Like I got Matt Bolesky's, uh page still pulled up here, and his junior in juniors he had 60, 90 points in like his final couple seasons in the OHL, but now he's playing bottom six. Like, you can't just look at the stats. You need to, like you said, do the research, ask people who are closer to the team, closer to the player, whatever it may be. Uh, what I was going to say before, and it goes, it ties us all together too, um, many people were criticizing the pick of Jake DeBrusque. Uh, the guy that came off of a 42-goal, 81-point season, known as kind of a one-trick pony. And then the team said, and he said, very consciously, he's going to be working on his defensive ability, his two-way game, accountability, etc. He goes down to the, uh, the WHL again, uh, struggles a bit, puts up only uh, what 21 goals, about 60 points. Uh, he got traded. Many forget that he also had a really, really gruesome injury. But yeah. he, was, he looked so much better as a two-way player. If I'm drafted by a team, and now I'm not trying to impress a team... I'm just trying to show the team that drafted me, hey, I can do what you're looking for. I'm not going to try and keep scoring you know, 4 to 50 goals. I'm going to work on improving my ability. Like Mark said, it's not about uh, impressing and scoring all the points in the world. It's about honing in on what you have to do. Yeah. No, You're not trying to impress anyone at that point. You're just trying to develop as a player. And you see Zaboro, when it comes down to it, he just he looks super hungry in development camp uh, by all accounts. And he just it looks like everything's paying off for him. And I think even DeBrusque, last year he had a really slow start in the AHL in terms of point production. The guy still looked good at the, through the entire year. I think Mark can, uh, can vouch for me there, too. The guy never looked out of place. He always looked like he was a good player. And then the, once the, the luck started to come on his side and he started to get more comfortable, the goals followed. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, get- when it comes down to Jake DeBrusque, yeah, a little, little, little you know, gun-shy in his first professional year to start. But uh, definitely turned it up uh, mid-season and, and certainly into the playoffs. He was definitely one of the better players in the playoffs, along with Danton Heinen. Now, when you talk about Danton Heinen, you know, everybody, most Bruins fans know that he came in for, like, I don't know how many games it was. I, think, I thought it was, like, 16. And then I could be um, really bad with the number. but And then went down, and it, it, it didn't seem like he took it to heart, the demotion. 
But he was another player that wanted to work on different things to get back at the NHL level. So his goal and his point production weren't always there. But I'll tell you, towards uh, late February, March, April, and into the Call of the Cup playoffs, going right into the third round, that Heinen kid was there. He was one of the better players. Um, he, I mean, he, he did score some big goals, but he was also very important on that um, the first assist. You know, and yeah. I, I, I see a lot of good things from him, but I, I do want to see more consistency uh, at both levels when it comes to a player like Heinen. But I, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing a lot of these guys in Providence next season and, 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 and if they can filter their roles into the, the higher level in the NHL with the Boston Bruins. Well, yeah. Yeah, I said it at the beginning of last year about Heinen, where right on your podcast, um, you were mentioning the fact that you really thought it was a bad decision to even have him play NHL time last year. You felt he should have just been in the AHL at all. And, and, and it looks like you were 100% right, because it took him near the end of the year when he started picking up his fire. He needed to get his, his feet adjusted to this new type of hockey. Yep. That's my concern with Bjork. Not that he's not a tremendous talent. And honestly, some players can make the jump right away. I just I don't want people to get too hyped up about it and then to just blame the player for not being ready because it's such a different world playing any level of hockey and going to the National Hockey League. You're talking about players that are, even if they're not the Crosby's and the McDavid's of the world, you're talking about the best players in the world playing hockey. You yeah. can't just go in there as a 21-year-old kid or even you know younger cases, 18-year-old kid just, just, uh, just got drafted. It's so difficult to make that adjustment right away. That's why I think people don't really acknowledge how good Carlo is and uh, just for his first year and how good McAvoy is. Um, again, back to what Mike said, though. I think people are... Uh, not to put words in your mouth, Mike, but I think this is what you're going to. They might be overvaluing Carlo because he's never going to be that offensive player. I think you need that good defensive player. Jacob Slavin yeah. is a good example of that. But uh, no, he's... Just what he's able to do at 19, 20 years old, that's incredible. So I think with a player like Heinen, 21 years old, you can't expect the guy, also just in eight games, you can't expect the guy to you know light up the lamp at all times. That's kind of what one, one of my issues was with uh, Koklachev, just to bring back a, a real old name. Koklgate. He never, really got, <laughs> he never really got that opportunity at the NHL level. But at the same time, he was given a lot of time next to uh, Krejci and Erickson, um in obviously his last year with the team he was given some time there when they were white hot and he just did nothing even if he looked okay you have to be able to produce something at that point an assist uh, a really nice pass that people take note of the one thing about McAvoy that stood out to me and I mean I think we all know that I'm very high on McAvoy if my Twitter's any indication but uh, his first game he didn't have a point he didn't have a shot and he was just the second best player on the ice behind maybe only Eric Carlson. Yeah, I mean, Mac McAvoy is a guy I like too. I don't know if a lot, I don't know if enough people talk about this. As you've watched him in the past, the World Juniors, and uh, this past year especially at BU, he can play on the big stage too. He lives for the big moments. Obviously, um, this year most recently against North Dakota and that controversial, that controversial offsides call, maybe BU shouldn't have won that game. I don't know if you guys remember that. But yes. um, he made no. It was um, he finished. No, he finished that one from Keller 
Keller was breaking down the left side boards and got it to McAvoy. And obviously, we saw him in the World Juniors. He was phenomenal in the World Juniors. And McAvoy, like, I, I agree with Brandon. Like, he's phenomenal, but, like, he's not going to be that guy, like, amazing right away. Like, obviously, he didn't have a shot. But he was, like, so confident and, like, so poised, even though he didn't put up, like, great offensive numbers. And he showed that, like, he's ready to go already because he's, he's played under great coaching at BU, obviously perennially one of the top programs in all of the NCAA. And it's reason to expect, like, McAvoy's going to have a great year, but there are going to be, like, some times where he's not always 100% comfortable, and you got to, like, even for a first-rounder, got to, like, have some – give the kids some breathing room at some times not be overly critical of him. Um, since we're talking about young players, this is a great segue into um – the development camp um, conversation. I I attended three of the four days. I was planning on going four days, but the whole transportation thing with me, I live in Amesbury, Mass., which is um, right up against the border of um, Mass. and New Hampshire. So uh, the, new, the new report, Rockport Line, was is being worked on for the whole summer and shut down during the weekend. So I was kind of aggravated, and I, I pulled a little hissy fit and, didn't go and was pissed all day but i found another way of transportation on sunday which was the bus and found great amenities on the bus i couldn't believe that the wi-fi and the plugins and so on for my laptop so um but i had one i had another great experience um this experience for me was much better because of the fact is that this is the first development camp that was held at the new warrior ice arena that opened up in september last year for the uh, Bruins rookie and develop, um, rookie and training camp, so uh, I was I was quite impressed with a lot of players, um, and I know there was a lot to talk about. But uh, if I, I I just wanted to like just go real quick and just talk about the the new guys that came in um, a little rusty. Um, I did like Eurovec and Um he, I thought he played well, and I mean you know he did well in in drills. Um, and a lot of different styles that he showed on the ice. Um, what I what I have to uh, quote a friend of mine. My friend Allison uh, pointed this out, and she's a fantastic photographer, by the way. Um, Allison Foley, giving you a plug. Um, she mentioned that on, a, on several occasions she saw Vic and Annie get pissed. And this is a development camp. This is nothing. This is a you know you are showing. The, the 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 Bruins brass uh, where you are going to end up sooner or later, but he showed uh, signs that he was getting pissed when things weren't working out, and we both agreed that that was something that that is 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 good. It's good to see a player uh, be emotional like that. So, um, I like Jack Studnicka. Uh, I wasn't really high on Cedric Pare, but I'm I, I got to give this kid a chance. Um, Victor Berglund was good. Daniel uh, Bukak was decent. Uh, Jeremy Swayman had uh, times that, a goaltender, he had times that he did really good in the first two days. And then Sunday, they kind of thought that uh, maybe a little got caught up on him. But um, uh, the camp invites for me, uh, Mason Jost was good. Uh, TJ Moore, Carson Coleman, uh, Josh Melnick was a, a, a decent person. Eric Robinson. Uh, Ian Brady was decent, uh, and, and I thought Robert McGovern, uh, a goaltender that's going to be playing with uh, Jeremy Swayman in the University of Maine next season, 
uh, showed some signs of uh, good goaltending um, for being a camp invite. But um, uh, one camp invite that I was completely blown away by was this 17-year-old kid from Walpole. Um, I was just completely stunned by how poised he was against uh, uh, players that are definitely older than him and, and way beyond his skill level. And he really shut down these guys. So hopefully the Bruins, um, uh, his name is uh, uh, Cochran. I don't remember his first uh, name. James Cochran, yeah. He, uh, James, I think some people call him Jamie, but yeah. I mean, this kid comes from like a good like Massachusetts hockey background. He played at Walpole this year. Obviously, I played for Hanover and was a team manager there um, for high school. But uh, we never played Walpole, but they kind of broke onto the scene this year, made the Super 8 tournament, which is like the best three teams like in terms of like uh, factors in private schools as well. So like teams around here like BC High and Malden Catholic, like those top schools. But Walpole uh, made their way into the Super 8, and um, which is like a huge accomplishment for a public school. I think they were the first since like 2010, if I'm not mistaken, to make it like first public school, and he like stole the show. He looked great. I know, Mark, you weren't at day three, but he looked great at the, uh, day three, uh, the one day I was able to make. I was working the three other days in the morning. But, um, yeah, all the goalies really impressed me. I think you said uh, Jeremy Swayman looked good. He looked, he did look good on day three, too. I was impressed. The two goalies I was impressed with the most, though, were um, Swayman and uh, Cochran. Yeah, Cochran, he looked, like, extremely posed, like, like he was in the right place as 17. I mean, the kid's younger than me, <laughs> and I'm 19. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Cochran's also committed to uh, – well, not committed, but I think he's changing schools to Winchington. Am I – Yeah, yeah, he is. Is that, um, is that I, a prep school? Actually, yeah, it's a prep school. I forget where it is, actually. My friend, my neighbor, he lives down the street. He's uh, He actually just committed to play for Union in a few seasons. Um. um well, I lost my train of thought. He, yeah, well, he went to Winchington. He's committed to play the Union. They've had a lot of uh, commits over the past year, so that'll be good for him. But yeah, I, I'm not. If you're not mistaken, I think he is going to Winchington. That'll be good for his prep development. And uh, they play a lot of good teams as well. Obviously, I don't know if they play like local teams like BC High and Malden Catholic, but they play teams like high-end prep schools, I believe, like Dexter, yep. uh, which is one of the tops, and some good schools around here. So that'll be great for him as he's another name to monitor. It would be cool to see a good local goalie uh, make the cut someday. And Mason Yost is the guy I think there's a very good chance they sign at some point. Uh, he's obviously going to play at, at Ohio State again this year. I liked I liked Ian Brady a lot. I thought he impressed me. T.J. Moore is a guy I like from Holy Cross. Uh, Vac and I look good. Obviously Bjork. And those are like the main guys that really stuck out to me there. Eric Robinson actually really surprised me too. A kid from Princeton as well. Um. Uh, some of the players that really stuck out to me uh, and, and were the returning camp um, invites. Oh, no, I'm sorry, camp campers. Uh, uh, Bjork was amazing. Uh, the, the, his one-time shot uh, and his mobility in short ice three-on-threes was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, and a real good showing at this camp for only being there two days because um, he had family obligations. But uh, I really like Jack Becker. Jack Becker's a, um, he's he's going to be committed to go to uh, college next season. Played um, in the USHL last year. Um, Ryan Donato, a continued uh, standout for me at every camp I've been to. Uh, Trent Frederick, yeah, right. That's great. Trent Frederick, second camp in a row. I I've, I've been really impressed with. 
And um, I, I, I love his parents. I, I talk to them all the time. And I, I tell them I write about his son and it's all positive. And, you know, they understood that when he was selected, there was a lot of hate and they got hate texts and so on. So, but it's a shame. It, it is a really? shame. It really, yeah, it is. It is. Um, but uh, great, the, the, the Frederick family, the, their younger son uh, is not a hockey player. Um, and he's going to be a basketball player. And he told me that he wants to be a Celtic. So that'd be kind of cool that, to have the family thing in Boston even though they are from St. Louis. Um, but a pleasure to meet them again and always always good to talk to them. Um, uh, Jesse Gabriel has always been a player that has been on my target. Uh, Jonah Kempeninen, I probably hacked that pretty bad. Uh, big kid, <laughs> yeah, big kid, but uh, he's, he's really good. Zach Sinishin and Oscar Steen. Um, yeah, that's Oscar Steen had a really good development camp. Oh, yeah. he's so he fast, really so fast, and a great shot. Um, on the defense core, um, um, Cameron Clark uh, was okay. I, I didn't. Ryan Lindgren was not there. He's um, uh, having he had surgery, I believe, in the yeah. uh, and uh, season ending. Wiley Sherman, this kid, huge. Did, this kid did not impress me at all at last year's camp. Uh, he's, he plays for Harvard. He's a big defenseman. This year, I was impressed. I was impressed with his mobility, his skating, his stride, and his stick handling for a big guy was uh, just great to see. And I put, put, basically put me back, uh, him back on the map in my uh, uh, prospect rankings when, I, uh, when you talk about development camp. And another one was Jakob Sborl. Uh, Sborl yep. just showed uh, real good um, posture out there. He showed that he was... He was a, a, a player willing to uh, to learn, but also um, a leadership role. And I thought that he talked to the younger defensemen very well on what it means to be there and be a pro, uh, even though he's not a pro yet. So um, good things from Zborl. Goaltender Dan Vladar, I'm always high on. I thought he did had a really good camp. I thought I thought uh, all the goaltenders played very well and 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 really took the tutelage of. Uh, Bob Asenza to a, a whole nother level. Um, but that's basically all I got. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Yuna Kaufman is a guy I'm, ve- I'm like, kind of, like, not very high on, but, like, low-key kind of high on. I think he's got a good, like, mix of talents for a guy that size, and he could skate at, like, a decent, at, like, a decent level. And I think he could, like, be a guy, whether it's at center or out wing, I think all young guys at this point in this um, organization – are pretty much it's somewhat drilled into them that they're going to have to have some positional versatility. They're not going to be able to play their set position every time. We saw even with David Backus, like we talked about earlier, he didn't get to play center right away. So I think Yuna Koppinen's a guy I like a lot. Um, kind of just low-key. Uh, he almost ended up actually playing college hockey, I heard. Mark Dever tweeted way back, we talked about him earlier too, um, that I think... Three schools that I remember, if I'm not mistaken, were uh, Boston University, Quinnipiac, and Providence. I believe there might. I think BC might have been in there too. Yep. We're all interested in Unicompetent, so I think he's a name that like you got to monitor a bit as like a guy that can like bring something to the table and doesn't let his big frame like slow him down. It's so it seems. Excuse me, but uh, just keep that. I think we should just keep that name in mind because I like Unicompetent a lot. Um. Brandon uh, and um, Court, do you guys hear anything about? I know you guys were, are you know 
involved with uh, a lot of the tweets and so on, but you couldn't be there. Was there a lot of, was there anybody that stood out to you guys that you, you, you kind of look forward to, even though that you didn't get the eye test? Uh, Court, you can go first if you want. Uh, sure. Um, for me, um, I, I was really hoping to see um, a little bit of uh, some of the guys that were actually injured, uh, which kind of sucked. Uh, yeah. But um, for me, I was paying a, lo- a really close attention to uh, Seneshin just solely based on the fact that uh, he's had just such a bun rap the last couple of years, not being able to even show up for these things, um, you know, with mono. And he's just one thing after another with this kid. Um, he was the one that I really wanted to uh, to see. But more or less, I, I followed you and, and uh, Mike pretty much every day on Twitter just to, to see what was going on. Um, I am going to try my best to go to Buffalo um, to go catch a couple games um, oh, the to pros- see the, the rookie tra- the prospect, prospect challenge. Yeah, there's a game on the Monday where I conveniently I might work from home and conveniently might take that hour and a half drive to go watch a game. I'm thinking <laughs> of, I'm trying to convince the wife to go take a trip on Saturday, so we'll see what happens. Take a trip and see me in Boston. That'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I mean. I, how long are you going to be in Boston? Are you going to be there for a week, or because if it's on the week, if it's next weekend, I can definitely. Hook no, up I'll with be you. I'll be home by then. All right. I'm. I think I'm actually heading home on my birthday, which is the Thursday. Nice. Let me check dates here. Going to be an yeah, old man now. So, yes, absolutely. Twenty two. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Uh, well, but I, uh, I won't be able to talk to you ahead. through the show. But uh, definitely, happy birthday to you, sir, and. Thanks for everything that Thank you do when you're writing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, obviously having me on when you do. And always uh, always a pleasure to interact on Twitter. But yeah. going back to the uh, the question on uh, development camp, what I saw, who I was impressed with, from videos that I saw, from things that I read, uh, reports and whatnot, Bjork was th- lights out. Looks like he's, from all accounts, the guy's going to be the next, you know, superstar left winger in the league. Obviously, it's development camp. I'm not going to put too much weight into it. But if the guy looked that good, it means he's coming to play and he's coming to make an effort to make a make a splash. And I love that. I'm really high on Zach's initiation. Uh I know I mentioned Jake DeBrusque earlier, but out of those three draft picks, the the infamous three, uh, I was okay with the Sinition pick. Didn't really like the pick of DeBrusque. He's looking okay. Uh... But at the time, I would have preferred someone like Connor, even a Shabbat. I would have liked to have gotten both Shabbat and Zaboro. Or Matthew Barzal. Yeah, I like Barzal, and he looks really, really good at all times. I just don't know how it's going to translate to the NHL yet. I hope he does well, because I like him as a player. But, uh, yeah, uh, Steen, like you mentioned, I heard a lot of good things about him. The guy, he just he's so fast. And I knew that going into the uh, the camp. But just hearing about it and seeing that like he blew people away, I'm I'm happy to see that because having that kind of uh, you know top high end speed that's important in the league, that can uh, that can be a difference maker at times. Even if it's just a a penalty kill opportunity or if it's just you know third line player that happens to break out quickly, that's an important role to have. Um, so yeah, him, Sinition, Bjork, Zaboral. Like I said, he went from apparently. Uh, well, I mean, my, he wasn't even on my radar to make the roster this year. He was going to be guaranteed AHL player this year to, I mean, anyone in the know thinking this guy is going to make the uh, the club. So I think that's a good uh, that's a good adjustment. Wiley Sherman, I always forget about him. 
him and uh, Donato. Apparently, maybe it's the Harvard effect. Right. But I always seem to forget about those two players being in our system. But uh, yeah, no, uh, Sherman's huge. He's a very, very, very big man. And Donato, the guy is, has such good skill. I wasn't crazy about the pick out of Dexter. Not that Dexter's out of good school. Just him as a player, I wasn't too familiar with. But from what I'd seen, I wasn't uh, crazy about. But then having watched him develop over the last few years, he looks like a good player. Looks like he's a really high-end player that can also play a two-way game now. So I'm glad to see that he did well. Nice. Yeah, definitely um, hats off to the to the Bruins organization for putting on a, a spectacular four-day event, even though I was only there for three. Um, and, uh, the God war- forbid. Yeah, the Warrior... <laughs> <laughs> the Warrior Ice Arena for for um, putting up with me for three days because um, a lot of fun. That whole crew there is very helpful and so on. And and definitely encourage fans to get more involved in events like this during the summer. Um, traditionally, it's it's been within um, like this year it was the week of the Fourth of July, our, our U.S. holiday, and uh, but last year it was actually. Uh, the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. So uh, if you guys, if anybody wants to go down, it's a free event. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, sometimes there's player interaction. Uh, there's not a lot of player interviews because um, they're very strict about stuff like that. So um, definitely bring the kids down, check it out, see what it's all about, and, and, and judge for yourselves on your own evaluation on how players come up like that instead of, you know, and I'm not calling anybody out, but you know, reading the reading the stat sheets and so on. But um, definitely a great show. Um, but we do have uh, some patron questions. Um, if anybody wants to become a patron, uh, please go to Patreon.com/slash/BlackAndGoldHockeyPodcast. And what this is is it is it's it's a donation website to help us cut the costs of our operating of our operating costs. Um, you can donate as little as a dollar or as much as you want. Uh, we definitely have to say uh, special thanks to Rhonda Anthony Vin, which is a he's a new patron uh, Beyond the Blade podcast. Uh, Chad's a great great uh, guy, and uh, if you guys like the Buffalo Sabers or or any other uh, podcasts in your in your weekly listens, I definitely uh, give them a, um, a, a listen. I actually scout for them, and they're uh, just a great group of guys. They, yeah. Unbelievable, Chad and um, and I I can't remember his Bill 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 Shaka, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Spencer over there, you know, it's, it's yep. Davis, awesome it's crew. Team. Uh, shout out to Hollis, my boy Court. Even though he gives me a hard time on the podcast once in a while, and uh, our friend Mike. Um, everybody has been donating really well, and you're getting a little, little you know, a lot of good. Stuff, but uh, the listener questions. Uh, if you donate at least a dollar, you have the opportunity to get your questions answered by uh, us and the guests um, with the top priority. Um, if you don't donate a dollar, we most likely won't read your your um, your question or answer it. So it just gets you a little more involved with our with our listeners. Um, but Hollis is from Alabama, and uh, he asks, "Who are?" The top ten D men in the Bruins organization as it stands today. Can I tackle uh, that one? Go for it. Uh, all right. So, top ten as in right now, Chara's on that list. So you got Chara, Krug, McAvoy, Carlo. 
Uh, NHL, NHL, or does it just mean like the prospect pool? I, I, I he just continue. said he just mentions the organization, so I'm going to go with the minor pro too. Got it. Um, so obviously you have the top six defensemen on the team, uh, McQuaid and Miller round out that six that I, the, from the four that I mentioned. Uh, I, I don't even know actually. Let me take those two out for now. And <laughs> say players that I'm high on based on potential. Uh, Lozon and Zaboral. So that's six if you take the top four. Uh, Lindgren, I think he's really good defensively. Vakanainen's got to be in there. And I like Greslik and O'Gara a lot. There you go. Mike, you want to take one? Uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with Brandon for the most part. Um, Tara Krug, McBoy, Carlo, probably Kevin Miller, then McQuaid to round out six. Um, in terms, like, I don't know if we're talking just potential or talent, or, like, readiness, maybe, like, kind of a mix. But if we're going that way of kind of, like, a mix, I'd probably say um, O'Gara, then Grizzlick, and then probably that would probably be my two top defensive prospects that I'm high on the most. Uh, to round out 9 and 10, I'd probably say Vak 9 in and then Lozon for number 10. Court, what do you say? Well, I it's not much to say. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I think we pretty much named them all. Um, right. I'm really after after seeing what you and Mike had put in and watching more videos. Saboro, um, um, I would say, is our top defensive prospect, um, and then I would say Lozon and and Yakinat. So yeah, and then we've got our top six. Like, there's not much more, and I'm and I'm not including Postma in right. any of these conversations. Did I mention Saboro in mine, or did I skip over him? I think because you I, might have. You I skip forgot. Over. Over him, I couldn't anything. believe you did, but, you know, I let it go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've got Zaboral at 11 on mine. If I uh, No, if, we're, if we're, <laughs> you're talking about potential. If we, I think we should redo this with uh, our top five in the system, if uh, if you're okay with that, Mark. Yeah, that's fine. Right. Uh, I don't know. I can start if you guys want. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, McAvoy obviously leads that list. McAvoy, Zaboral, Lozon, uh, Lingren, Vakanina. There we go. I'm... I'm... The exact same, um, except I uh, I take out Vakanine and put an Ogara there just because I, I you just him. drafted him. Yeah, yes. pretty much. I'm gonna go with who I know. I, I I'm trying to find out more about this kid, but as of right now, everything I've read is he's a safe pick. I, I was even told by a reporter from uh, a, a publication that he's okay is what he told me. I'm like, that is the worst answer I've ever heard. <laughs> Uh, in terms of mine in the system, um, I'd definitely say McAvoy's number one because obviously Carlos probably not on that list, but I'd still probably have McAvoy's number one. Carlos more like an NHL um, grounded prospect. Probably McAvoy, McAvoy, Lozon, Bakaninen, Zaboral, and after that, I'd probably say Ryan Lindgren. And. For me, I would say uh, Zaboral, Lozen. No, oh, I'm sorry. McAvoy, Zaboral, Lozen, uh, Grizzlick, and Vakaninen. So that's that's what I got. Yeah, I oh. should mention that I really do like Grizzlick a lot and O'Gara. I'm just going for long-term potential with yeah. my answers. No, that's that's respectable. Um, hey, I, I'm hoping that Vakaninen is going to eclipse all of them, and he's the next Eric Carlson, to be totally honest with you. Nice. Let's hope so. It'd be really nice. 
Uh, yeah, I like I like Vakanainen a lot. I was kind of disappointed at first because I really, really, really wanted a winger. I wanted Kaylor Yamamoto or Christian Veselainen. Yeah, in. in. I was the same way with Kaylor. I'm like, we got to get offense in the first round, and that kid's got they, talent. I mean, he's definitely got a size oh. issue, but I think he's he could he could have fit really good in somewhere in this organization. Just That's like I felt last I, year with the uh, Debrinket. Just I think the li- fact that. Um, Connor McDavid's most likely gonna have Jesse Puljujarvi or Kaylor Yamamoto on his wing for like a long time. Right. Both of those guys are just not bad options at all. <coughs> Two like yeah. really, really dynamic players. I wanted them to take the lead singer in Matchbox Twenty, but yeah, Rob <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> great game. Oh, great before game. you win, that's the end of the podcast. Yeah. Thanks everyone for joining us. <laughs> he had the best name. Oh. And the kid was so good, and he was on he was on such a good hockey club, and he was the third light center on that club. Like, <laughs> and his I, name's Rob Tom. I can't get over that. that's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a good one. Um, getting back to the Patreon questions, uh, Vin Coma from uh, Calgary, Alberta, uh, kind of touched on what we were talking about earlier in the show. Um, do you think the Bruins will try to find another D man this off season? I'm I'm gonna say no just because of the way the track record's going right now. And if they didn't do any moves at the draft and they um, and and uh, free agency, I don't actually see them acquiring any big name at this point. I'm not saying it's not gonna happen closer to the 2017-18 uh, season or in the season at the uh, trade deadline, but um, I just don't see it happening now. I think, I, if anything, I don't know if they fetch, like, a worthwhile defenseman and if they do trade Spooner. Frank Vitrano is another name that, by myself and by others, I've seen thrown around because they're impressive-looking uh, left-handed forward depth. But uh, with the PTO thing, I just don't know if they're going to, like, obviously they're going to bring in a veteran at this point if it's anyone on a PTO. <laughs> I just don't know if guys like Vanek or maybe Johnny Oduya, it sounds like Brian Campbell is actually going to retire. I just saw something about that on Twitter, and early in the week I saw something that he is probably going to retire, or if he does sign, he'll go back to the Blackhawks. But I don't think guys like Oduya and Vanek are going to last. I think if anybody on defense, I think they add Johnny Oduya, and that's pretty much it. But I think, think Postma like, was a good depth option. He'll roll in on that third pair. I think they're pretty much set. I don't think they trade McQuaid. Obviously, we speculated that a bit. But I don't see much movement uh, otherwise happening on the defensive core. But I wouldn't be opposed to acquiring somebody for the top four if the right deal was made. Uh, I think if they're going to make it, it's not going to be a signing. It's, it won't even be a PTO. If they could make the smart trade, and one thing I've, I've learned from watching Sweeney the last three years, he's, he's very patient. Um, if he doesn't mortgage the future, and he can get a defenseman, he's going to do it. If not, he's just not going to do the deal. The, so far, my the tenure of Don Sweeney, to me, is the best trades he's made are the ones he hasn't made. Yeah, I mean, I look at the uh, I look at the team, and I don't think... I mean, sure, yeah, he's going to look at making a trade. I think he's always going to look at making a trade, and always going to look at making a signing. I don't know that he's going to actually make one. I'd lean on the, uh, the no side, but I think he, he'll definitely explore the options out there. I think he's always working the phones, and I think as a general manager, you have to do that. All right. Well, that's awesome. Thank you guys for um, jumping in uh, with the uh, Patreon um, questions. 
and answering uh, them to the best of your knowledge. Uh, we really appreciate that. And definitely encourage more patrons that, that are contributing to jump on board. Uh, you know, two questions this week out of seven uh, contributors um, could use more. So, but we are approaching uh, <laughs> the longest show I think we've ever had in the 58 episodes um, wow. that I've been around. So um, I called it. Yeah, you did. I did call it. Yeah, well, we got two great guests, and I just wanted to take the opportunity to try to get as much information out there as possible. Uh, we, there really wasn't a lot of news, but we did compile enough to get um, a lot of news out of the show. And um, uh, Brandon Shea Cohen, I really appreciate you taking the time. Please safe travels to Boston uh, tomorrow. Uh, can you please tell the listeners where we can find you? Uh, yeah. Uh, first off, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the uh, the safe travel wishes and the birthday wishes earlier. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I can be found on thehockeywriters.com. Uh, I can be found at Cohen on Twitter. And, yeah, I mean, I try and produce as much content as I can. Uh, quality content. I'm always quality over quantity. Uh, despite that, I still put up a ridiculous amount of content because I can't help myself. <laughs> yeah, you do. But, yeah, <laughs> I do my best to... Uh, to get the uh, the information out there when I when I can, and to try and give a a good creative twist on some things. Definitely a great follow and great content. Um, Mike Karate, uh, you've been a great great guest, and and uh, I didn't I didn't um, expect anything less um, just from your writing on the team, and uh, uh, we really appreciate your time. Um, I'm kind of happy we kind of worked out very well on your Sunday off to get you on. So we really appreciate oh, yeah. that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I don't typically get Sundays off from work, so this was a nice surprise. And I wanted to jump on the opportunity because I might not get many more off. But, yeah, like Brandon said, uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Mike underscore Craddy. Craddy spelled C-R-A-T-T-Y. A lot of people misspell it or say it wrong. That's why I say that. And uh, you can follow my radio stations page. We've got everything covered, uh, NHL signings, MLB, football, whatever you need. Not just Boston sports, although we are Boston sports fans. At sports, spots, not sports, spot, sports, and then spot, underscore, WMCK. If you want to follow us and uh, listen to us once the school year starts up. I don't know when we'll be on the air once a week, but that's where you can find me. Uh, on my regular account at Mike underscore Craddy. I'm nearing 400 followers, so uh, help your boy get there. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it was it was uh, great to come on the show. I had a lot of fun, and um, it was a great way to spend a Sunday. Not much else I'd rather do, honestly, on a lazy day most weeks when I have the work uh, day off. So it was fun. Thanks we, for having me. We definitely appreciate your your time, and um, and if there's any Bruins prospects that are are going to be playing. I know there's none playing for Merrimack College right now, but if there's any any ones that are coming through town, I would definitely like to get in touch and uh, possibly go see a game and, and bounce some ideas off of your head. Oh, for sure, yeah. There will definitely be uh, some around. I don't know if we play Harvard this year, but we might see Ryan Donato. Yep. Uh, no more BU guys anymore. We did, beat, we did beat BU twice this year when they were number one. Fun fact. Uh, that was a pretty crazy week on campus, but yeah, um, it was. yeah, I'll definitely be sure to let you know. I was definitely mar uh, monitoring. Actually, McAvoy, when he played us, one of the games he played at Merrimack, he got kicked out of the game because he hit a kid from behind. <laughs> I didn't even know that. So the guy's a goon. Just cut him now. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he's He's got a little nastiness in his game, but I don't think it'll 
I hope I hope it won't translate to the NHL level. We haven't seen it yet, but I hope it won't. But he he's a bulldog. Don't don't forget that about McAvoy. And of course, I got to give my shout outs to uh, one of the two best uh, co-hosts that I have aboard this this program, uh, Court. Uh, he writes for the Black and Gold Hockey Blog dot com. Also, very good co-host of the show. Where can we find you, sir? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, and you can find me uh, at Court Lalone. Um, not the French-sounding last name like it is in the uh, the uh, intro. I, awesome. I heard it the other day. I, it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you can find my writing at uh, the Black and Gold uh, Hockey Blog. Awesome. And uh, we thank you very much to all the listeners. Uh, we hope that we provided uh, um, definitely uh, um, almost two hours of uh, off-season listens. Um, so... Uh, you can support the show by doing the Patreon thing if you want to get involved in that. It's just a dollar. Uh, you can also support by um, uh, going to Apple iTunes, uh, Google Play, Player FM, uh, SoundCloud for as long as that's going to last, and Stitcher Radio. Uh, uh, go through them. You can uh, download and share and uh, give us ratings if you'd like. And, and to uh, jump on that, people, if you're going on the iTunes, just uh, give us a rating and uh Give us some comments. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it all helps. Absolutely. It def- definitely helps the show um, get uh, more popularized the more we hear from from the followers. Uh, we've had, uh, I believe, 17 or 18 great, um, great uh, words from p- listeners. And uh, we'd love to get some more to get a little more higher in the rankings, um, especially in the, uh, in the Boston area, as there's really not much uh, talk going on so we, we we really like to cater to the people that love love Bruins and you know we love doing this so um, thanks again to Court as always uh, we wish Rob a very good uh, vacation well deserved can't wait to have him back um, and, and Brandon and Mike um, uh, kudos for the time uh, this was really a very good show and I'm I'm, I'm wicked pumped uh, to have you guys on and I'm, I'm thrilled to to produce this and get it out there because I think a lot of people are going to really like today's uh, today's effort from all of us. Well, it was great being here. It's always a pleasure. It was uh, it was good uh, getting back into the thing rhythm of things. You know, yep. Off season is uh, right in the middle of uh, its boring period, so it's good to get the Bruin talk and for a, a discussion that could have been about very little with very little going on as it was prefaced. Yep. Uh, longest show in history. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good way to go. Absolutely. Gives people a thing, something to look forward to. Awesome. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much, everybody. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely tweet out the next time we get together. I'm not sure what's going on between schedules and so on, but we'll do that during the week. And uh, we'll definitely give you guys all a heads up. But uh, thanks again for listening. Enjoy the week. Go Bruins. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold 277, at Court Lalonde, and at Rob 40 Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.